You bet I got something to say. You check it out. Ooh, the most beautiful body in professional wrestling. And I got something to talk about. Everywhere I've been going throughout the country, I've been touring with Fleetwood Mac. I've been partying with REO Speedwagon. Why, I've even arm wrestled the Werewolf of London, Warren Zevon. I am the hottest thing in professional wrestling. I am the baddest dude that walks the streets today, Chump Hogan. And you think about that, Chump, because you could not beat me. You could not even beat Sylvester Stallone in the movie Rocky III. It was a draw. I'd have squashed that peanut in 30 seconds. Heard it from a friend who Heard it from a friend who Heard it from another you've been messing around They say you got a boyfriend You're out late every weekend They're talking about you and it's bringing me down What up, chumps? Oh, God, I love it. What up, Chump Hogan? You listen to me, Chump. Oh, my God. I love how he's all like, like Hogan had a draw in a movie. Hey, yep. <laughs> you couldn't even win a boxing match in a movie, Chump. <laughs> so good. I love, well how, done. I love how he uh, he parties with Ario Speedwagon. Well, Fleetwood Mac, too. That, hey, that'd be quite a party. It probably would. Back it's like so much cocaine. Oh, so much cocaine. <laughs> uh, mezzanine sleepover episode one sixty eight. Talking some more wrestling. It's me, your pal Slip. Who else have we got? Uh, Megamix dot com as usual and uh, becoming usual. The man himself. What's up, Steve? Boys and girls. It's yes. your boy Disco eighty one. How are you doing? Woo. I'm pretty good. What's up, Stu Meister? Just uh, just finished partying with sticks. Uh, <laughs> on a Sunday night. I, uh, <laughs> Stu, you'd be happy about this today. I, uh, I picked up a couple of pop figures uh, from some guy in Toronto. He sold me the three Guns N' Roses figures. They're free. I got three. Yeah, the Duff, Slash, and uh, Axel. Axel. Oh, well, Axel and Slash were pretty obvious, but I didn't, wasn't sure if Duff would be worth. I mean, he's been there since the start, so fair enough. He's the only other one that has. Duff is uh, actually the most valuable one of the three. Really? Yep. So, oh. yeah, I well, got, yeah. Thank I, you, Les. Yeah. Well, today oh. I'm. Uh, I, it's funny you say that because I'm wearing my uh, my Guns N' Roses styled Inner Circle T-shirt today. Oh, look nice. at that! Yep. Yeah, sneak preview well, on my some synergy. Synergy on, on the sleepover on hashtag one hundred and th- or one hundred and eighty three albums on uh, on Instagram. Tomorrow will be appetite for destruction with the pops lined up. Of course, right? of course, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I also. So got- you've been you've been big into pops and during the pandemic even more than you were before. It's the only thing I spend money on, other than like food <laughs> and rent. <laughs> like my po- I think the pop collection to be honest with you has gone up by probably like 60 in the last couple of months. Just, awesome. Just so many. I I got the Home Alone ones today too and I got nice. my uh my sports mystery boxes. How'd that go? They were okay. They weren't as good as the Star Wars ones. I mean, they were fine because of volume, right? You got 6 for 50 yeah. bucks and I got two boxes of them, but they gave me lots of NFL pops. Uh, uh, though I got the uh, boss. One of them was the boss. Oh, not bad. <laughs> so it's that not was a motorcycle. Right. Yeah, um, I got PK <laughs> Subban though. So nice. You know that pop wanted to donate money to a hospital, and then a bunch of fans got mad at them. 
So, well, you know, you know how it is. I know how it is. Um, Stu, what have you been doing to uh, pass the time? In the last uh, I, I play, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 again recently, trying to nice. catch all the different fish and kill all the different animals and what have you. Awesome. Down has made me realize just how valuable it is to finish games at 100%. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I have been uh, speaking of fishing. Dog. Nice. Speaking of fishing, I have been doing a lot of Animal Crossing. Oh, like, I don't really understand how it works. So my, we got it for my son for his birthday, and um, uh, it was, I literally picked it up from EB Games on the 20th of March, right before they closed permanently. Uh, they kept it open, I believe, to get this game out, because people had pre-ordered so many, so many people had pre-ordered it. So we bought it for him, but he was, he didn't really touch it much, because he was big into Fortnite. And then I was like, I'm going to get a Switch Lite. So I got a Switch Lite, and I played a little Fortnite, but then I was like, I'm going to try this Animal Crossing. I got so hooked. Then it's all my wife got so jealous, we had to buy her a Switch Lite so she could play. Because <laughs> it's one, one island per Switch. So if two people are using the same Switch, they have to be on the same island. I, she didn't want that. Because I, you know, I have my own, my own way of doing things. So we got, we got her that. So, so now she's hooked. We're all playing it. Well, the two of us anyway. My son's in and out. But i um, been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just, I got my, I got my arcade in my basement. I've got my uh, recording studio in the top uh, level of my house. So it's good times. Uh, you know, a video game I started playing again. What? Here's a hint. What's going on, CJ? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. Oh, I've, oh I've, my God. I bought a copy of San Andreas, like a digital copy for 11 bucks. And, uh, oh, nice. I'm on the last mission. And then, uh. As soon as I finish that, I'll have to run around and get rid of those ballas. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great oh game. Oh, my God. Like, I saw someone troll somebody where there was, like, some kind of, like, tip line in, in one of these cities where it was, like, you could, you could, report, you could report people, um, you know, vandalizing or whatever. And someone was all sent in the, a screenshot of the ballas and the, and the, and, and the Grove <laughs> Street, whatever, all, all fighting in the game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's over on this street. The ballas and, and the, <laughs> that Grove Street, they, yeah, are all are all are brawling. Oh, amazing! I love that game so much. So it's been yeah. uh, that's been the the one video game that you I've get lots of uh, different outfits, uh, lots of chains, and mostly chains and uh, <laughs> and different green outfits. There's and nothing better though than driving around all listening to the hip hop station. All the stations in that game are so good. Are like, they obsessed with them? Is it like an original port, or have they had to like change things because of? No, it's original. Uh, it's 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 yeah. like it's through Xbox. Like they just they are selling them digitally with. Uh, I have the Xbox One, so it's just you know what what do you call it? Uh, backward compatible games that they sell Back, digitally. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing. So I mean, the newer ones have more radio stations, but this one is so to the times, right? Like it's. 1992. It's 1992, and so it's all in that wheelhouse, and then like retro to the 80s. It's fucking perfect. So oh, driving around to uh, to Alice in Chains in yes. my lowrider. <laughs> so good. You know, we got some tack tack action doing one of the voices, and oh. uh, yeah, yeah, Clifton uh, Collins Jr. Yeah. Anyways, so that's that's been my video game and boys. Uh, and I guess it's been a nice distraction from wrestling, which, you know, we did this podcast two weeks ago, uh -huh, and we were I like, know. fuck, it's bad. 
And like two weeks later, it's my fucking God, the world of wrestling. Where do we start? (sighs) Jesus. Let's, should we start with something positive? Um, sure, we got Fighter Fest coming up, which should Fighter be fun. Fest, that seems like it's going to be fun, and I actually bothered to look up what's on NXT this week, and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty interesting as well. What's yeah. on? What's so, on this week? Uh, they, they're doing the Great American Bash themed two night, basically exactly the same as just Dynamite. Just pulling out all, everything that they can. Yeah, just like just here, let's just use this name. Sasha I love how petty they are. Man. It's great. I'm all for it. Go for it. I don't. I, yeah, know, I don't care. Like, I think it's. I think it's hilarious. I mean, you know, uh, you know. I. I just find it. I find it funny. That's all. Um, it doesn't bother me. I'm excited. Fighter Fest should be good over two weeks. Um, I mean, I find it funny that they're still going with that. That the name. It was. I thought it would be a, just a one-off show, with the you know the whole thing with Kenny doing a Fighter Fest last year, um, but you know it's fine, and. Uh, there's some there's some there's some good matches. I I probably uh, I'm looking forward to best friends and Kenny Hangman. I think that'll be good. Uh, obviously, uh, week two will be uh, Jericho and Orange Cassidy. So I'm very very psyched about that. And uh, but this Cody Jake Hager match, boys, I I I can't imagine it's going to be very good. No, and and we're not going to get. It doesn't look like we're going to get a world title match. No, no. no. So that I guess that brings us to the negatives. <laughs> So many <laughs> negatives. I mean, oh, the COVID, God. the COVID thing is like the small story too, right? Like, I know. If I told you that two weeks ago that look, a bunch of people are going to get COVID in WWE, and well, we would have been like, yeah, it, it looks like it's heading that way. And you know, it's a lot of it is because they won't let people wear masks. They tell nope. them not to when they go to the tapings, and yeah. they're and in they Florida. Don't test properly. Yeah, and they're in Florida where everyone has COVID. Yeah, uh, it's just like, <laughs> well, it, I mean, you still got a red lobster. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you're in Florida, you have COVID. Like that's that's what it's come down to. <laughs> All these fucking yep. sports teams going to Florida. How dumb are you? Like, yep. But uh, if I told you that that would be like by far the secondary shitty story of the last two weeks, because uh, this fucking assault thing, like. It's it's really hard to be a wrestling fan. It's hard yep. to support this industry. Yep. Because it's so fucking gross. Um yep. so yeah. And and the names I mean, I think there's gonna be more. I'm I'm shocked that you know, this has come out with all of the you know, mostly these UK wrestlers, though I yep. know like Joey Ryan is obviously a piece of shit and Sammy Guevara said something stupid and is getting his like due punishment for that as well. Though he shouldn't be yep. fired, I still think. But but no, I something... don't think he's going to be fired. He 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 isn't, and he's suspended. And yeah, I think it was an appropriate response. We talked about this over DMs. Yeah, so he said um, something dumb. You know. But like to me, it's like I guess you really can't do anything to those people from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties who are all retired. But like, can you fucking imagine if those stories got out? Oh my god. I know. Hey, I mean, it goes all the way up to fucking Vince McMahon, boys. I mean, this is the bit I find the most bizarre. Is it like we're calling out every British wrestler that no one's ever heard of, yet somehow there's decades of stories about Vince McMahon that have not that we all know, yet have not somehow come up again. I know. And obviously, like you said, with all the old timers, like I'm sure that there's. Worse stuff than you know any 
any uh, David Starr or or El Liguero or whoever else has come out. I'm sure the old timers have got much worse shit than that in their closets, but you, they get a pass because they're geriatrics now. I I, I liked the um, one of the ones that I liked that came out was Gail Kim basically being like talking about how traumatic it was to do bra and panties, and there was at least one voice there going, you know, it's been like this for a while, and, mm. uh, and yeah, so that was good. Uh, you know, um, it's. Uh, <laughs> The, the funny, the, the hard part was is that all this stuff started coming out, but then like other people start co-opting it and you get the ones where it's like you know, it kind of go off you know, you had the speaking out kind of tag and the people kind of doing it, and then you had the other Twitter account like just listing anything that they got sent into them. So it's like, oh, this guy was creepy. It's like, well okay, we can draw the line somewhere. You okay. know, so it's it's been a weird two weeks. Because you see names come out and it's like what? And then they're like, oh, he was he was creepy. He you know wanted to date me or something. And you're like, oh fuck sakes! Like, can we stick to the actual like issues? So that's that's the other thing. The other stuff that kind of happened was, you know, it veers off and then the trolls get involved and then you know it starts to you know probably to invalidate the whole thing. Because that's that's tends to be kind of how how people operate now is you know. Um, there's there's that there's that side where it's like well now we have to invalidate it by just making ridiculous claims, but um and you know it's probably not it's you know probably just dudes sitting there making shit up, but um yeah, Stu you're absolutely right um it, it it's it's I don't think the conversation has been fully opened. No, you kind of feel like there's more reckoning to come. Yep. Um, higher up the uh, hierarchy of pro wrestling. What I don't get, though, is people who are just so unwilling to, you know, to uh, th- let their fandom just completely blind them to the point where they can't accept that someone that they like watching wrestle may not be a good person. And they just don't understand and they, they, they can't let it. They, they just can't. They can't stomach it because somehow it's like a reflection on them as a person, which is completely ridiculous. It's like, yeah, we popped big for Joey Ryan at All In. Doesn't no, mean it's a piece of shit. You know, and it doesn't make me bad for popping for him when I didn't know what he had done. Dude, like, 20 years ago, I went to see Lost Profits in concert a number of times, oh, and then their lead singer turned Jesus out to be... Jesus Christ, yeah, right? History. Yeah. Like, take away from the fact that at that time in my life, I loved that music. You know, we enjoyed Jerry Ryan's bit at All In. Yeah. We, we don't now, because we're... But yeah, it's like, just accept it. Like, you, it's no... Yeah. Uh, fault of yours to have been into somebody that turned out to be terrible, yeah. and it doesn't make it so that Jim Cornette was right. No, about you know his rantings because you know Joey Ryan or someone else you know is a piece of shit in real life. It doesn't. It's still you know that's the other thing too is that there's all this like there's all this straw man arguments and it's like well what about this or what about that or this makes this guy right about this. he knew that he was you know I fuck it can we just focus on. These things happen. These people need to be held accountable. And that's the way it goes. And the, and, and the business needs to change. But it's the same thing. It's like Sammy's thing comes out. And he made terrible comments about Sasha Banks. And it came out, uh, you know, one day. And people are all over AEW in the first hour being like, you need to make a statement. It's like, give a bit of time. Jesus. Yeah. Meanwhile, the the, the lad is phoning Sasha personally to talk to her about it. And, and. You know, once upon a time, that would have been it. He fucked up. 
he spoke to the person in question and apologized yep. And, yep. and seems to be very genuine about it. And that should be the end of it. But yep. we, you know, have to have our pound of flesh on social media where he has to make an apology and then a video apology and then probably come out on Dynamite and make an apology as well. Sometime, yeah. For a stupid joke that had it come out two, three weeks before the current stuff, I don't think it would have got the traction that it did. Yeah, and these, and you know, and these are fans, by the way, who fucking go so crazy when Hulk Hogan comes out. <laughs> One of the biggest pieces of shit of all time, yeah. for many reasons. And it's like, you're so easy to forgive, but yet, you know, you know, for those two weeks, the knives are out. I think that there needs to be accountability, and, I, and uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I have such a hard time with the Sammy thing, because on the one hand, like, he should not be fired. People are like, they should fire him. That's the end of him. And it's like, okay, look, no. he's, you know, yeah. for, for what we know, and again, we don't know anything other than this incident, right? So if yeah. something comes out a week from now that there was other shit or that he did something physical or whatever, then that that's a thing, right? But if it is just the yeah. one thing where four years ago on a podcast he said something really stupid, he should yeah. he should pay some sort of penalty for it but not lose his job. Yep. But th- yep. there, there is all. But then there's another part of me that's like, like who goes on to a podcast and says that shit? Like what a fucking stupid. Even when no. you're like twenty, twenty two, twenty one, like you know better than that. Come on. Yeah. No, I know. Agreed. It's just Agreed. Such a f- like we've all said stupid shit mm-hmm. yep. in the company of our friends, but we certainly wouldn't say that shit on here. No. Well. We have, you know, me and Mega Mix, you know, we have a wrestling mm-hmm. federation, right? And, like, yeah. I, I, can, I can assure you that if I ran for public office, those tapes would get out and I would be done. My campaign would be done. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's, and it's not like we were, like, you know, incredibly offensive and went out of our way. It was just wrestling stuff. But the shit that comes out of your mouths and, and like, yeah. it's just, we, we look at it now and we're like, you know, we're not proud of it. Um, yeah, and, no. ag- and again, you know, but but it fucking like it's just it what it's what happened at, at a period of time. And like when Sammy yeah. says like I'm a, t- a different person four years later, I believe that because I'm yeah. a different person at 41 than I was at 21. Absolutely. And you know what? We were doing that stuff at the exact same time that that, that you could turn on wrong and it would be just as bad. Yeah. So again, you know what? I I totally agree with you. Um, Sammy has, you know, he's done what he needs to do. He's been suspended. He has to take, you know, some kind of some kind of uh, sensitivity training or whatever. You know what? Good. You know, um, but let's not hold, you know, this is the one thing. There's there's plenty of more to go and there's plenty of more to come. And we're just going to have to wait and see. And yes, hasn't been a good two weeks for wrestling. And uh, absolutely not. Like there's, I, and I think there's a difference between you know, like if you have the grandparent who says racist things today, and yeah. and then people will be like, well, that's where they grew up in. I don't buy that. It's like no. Nope. But if they said, nope. you know, my grandpa said these shitty things thirty years ago, but he's mm-hmm. learned since. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows that it's not right anymore. It's like okay. Yeah. Like okay. Yep. Okay, then fine. Like it's shitty that it happened, but you get a pass for what you did 30 years ago when you didn't fucking know better, but you've grown up as a person. Like you don't need to be punished now yep. for what happened. But again, unfortunately, Sammy works in a business where you have to, you have to take a stand. And I think that company had to take a stand. Um, yep. I, I also think like 
I'd like to think that, especially Kenny Omega, but even to a lesser extent, like the Young Bucks, they probably think themselves think of themselves as being a pretty progressive bunch in the world of wrestling. Like they yep. want to be the alternative to WWE, right? Yep. And I'm sure that one of the things is like, well, we don't want to have that culture. Like, yeah, we want to. Re- and and their big thing too, like when they were signing women's wrestlers, right? Same pay. We're yep. going to respect the division. We're not going to be like the other company. Well, you fucking put your money where your mouth is, and they did. Yeah, they had to, and and they're going to con- have to continue to do so. Because you know what, and that's. <laughs> I mean, I, as someone kind of, you know, as someone, as a, speaking as a leftist, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. I'm sorry. You just do. And it's probably not fair, but that's just the way it is. And, uh, and uh, I, 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 was, I was glad they did what they did. I'm glad they, did, you know, went directly at it. And uh, I will hope that when the next thing comes out, because it will, that, uh, you know, action will be taken. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, right? We'll see. We'll see. Should we get something fun? Yeah, let's do let's do some let's something fun about wrestling. I I got to put my air conditioning on. Jesus, oh. this fucking this fucking weather in Winnipeg has been fucking nasty, boys. Oh, it's like that here nasty. all the time. So I don't know. Sure. Just kidding. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Oh, it's hot in Winnipeg. Can't it's been hot today. It's fucking thirty-eight. Jesus. Nice. Yeah, you get the kiddie pool out, just floating in the kiddie pool in your gitch in the backyard. No, I stayed indoors today. Good for you in the basement playing a Nintendo. Ah, uh, a little bit. <laughs> Good for a you. A little bit, absolutely. So uh, we a couple weeks ago we did uh, we did some wrestling lists, and now we're going to do some more. You know, because creativity abounds on the sleepover. <laughs> well, we have uh, four more lists, and again, you gave us a, uh, like eight of them. I mean, we could make up lists of anything, so yes. we, could, we could just keep doing lists down the road. Uh, Why not? If, if you want us to do a list, hit us up at Mezzanine Sleepover, or let us know yes. your list, as yes. you know, nobody will. But uh, we got four of them today. Uh, do you want me to just, do you want to introduce them? What do you want to do? Well, I figure we'll just go through them and we'll talk about, well, you know, we'll, we'll do a little preamble at the start of each list, but we have four of them and we'll, we'll, you just tell us where we get started and we'll do what we did last time. All right. Just kind of a little rationale, a little rationale, why we picked what we picked and then we'll go one by one, each of us. All right. So these are top fives. Uh, We each did a top five list. We'll go again, one at a time. Uh, You'll do one. I'll do one. Stu will do one. We'll go. We'll do that. Uh, Your first one here and and by the way Stu, you mentioned before we started recording this was tougher for you to put together than the last one yeah it certainly was like uh the last one they were pretty much things that i already knew in my head top five live matches i've had that in my head forever but these were sort of like okay let's try and uh write down the five that i want and then it's like nope gonna switch this around a bit and then oh how could i forget about such and such and yeah this one certainly took me a lot longer yeah, there was a few that I kind of started putting together over the course of a few days. Like I'd put some down and then I'd leave it and then come back mm-hmm. to it. I, I don't necessarily think that I nailed my top five in each of these, um, but I'm, I'm not unhappy with any five that I've listed. I'm just sure that a week or two I'll be like, oh, fuck, I should have done that. But I'm pretty yeah. happy. I'm, I'm about the same uh, same as you, big man. Uh, uh, this could change tomorrow, but uh uh, especially some things like tag teams that, yeah. that, that one, that one, I go back and forth and, you know, you do five and there's so many that, that, that couldn't be listed. So, um, 
that's that's always tough. But uh, yeah, where we, where do you want to start? Let's start with top five favorite tag teams. All right. So favorite tag teams. I mean, it's pretty uh, straightforward um, for me putting this together. Um, I went with tag teams that were, you know, that are actual tag teams uh, that were had extended tag team kind of runs, um, not just two guys thrown together um, to team up. So, um, you know, I, as much as I wanted, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, let's say uh, Big Show and Kane on my list, I couldn't because <laughs> they did, just didn't have the longevity. Uh, I that was the only reason I didn't have Chuck and Billy on mine. Oh, I fucking <laughs> forgot about those dudes. Uh, they were tag team champs, man. Come on. Uh, they were. <laughs> I did a kind of a mix. Uh, I think uh, for most of my lists, there's one exception, I, um, and that would be the, the five favorite wrestlers right now. Everything else, I, be, I was exclusively WWE. Yeah. And I did a mix of like longstanding teams, but I have a couple that were thrown together. That I like for different okay. reasons. And when we get to That's them, you'll fine. see why. Yeah. But hey, you do what you want to do, pal. Yeah. Do uh, what you want, like Ali O'Gratton at <laughs> Breaking Beakers. <laughs> what about you, Stu? What was your... Uh, the, the tag team one was the one that caused me the most sort of turmoil, should we say, with scribbles and, wait, no, <laughs> I, I move this around, move that around. Uh, the other ones were like, they were fun to like have a good think about. The, like... Uh, Slip, you mentioned the wrestlers at the moment. That one was like, wow, this is leaning very heavily towards one particular company right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not watching the other one. (laughs) Well, why don't we get started? Mega Mix, give us your first tag team. All right. Uh, My first tag team is uh, Edge and Christian. Um, You know, uh, tag team wrestling was dead for a while in WWF. Um, but, uh, kind of at the forefront of the resurgence in the, uh, in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands, edge and Christian, uh, fantastic tag team, uh, you know, two great wrestlers. Um, also, uh, just two funny dudes could cut some great promos, uh, when they were, you know, kind of unleashed and, uh, had a really good run. And, uh, you know, both, uh, both had some, uh, some, 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 uh, well, I mean, edge had a tremendous singles career and Christian had, uh, uh, a singles career, you you know, it, it wasn't bad either. So, um, uh, just a great tag team, and I, I slotted them in at number five. Uh, go, Stu. All right, so I went number five. This is basically just one that I picked to represent an era where tag team wrestling in WWE was at its best for me, which was like the SmackDown 6 era. So I went with Eddie and Chavo, but honestly, it's basically all of the guys that were involved in that mid 2000s SmackDown era with. Who was it? Edge and Christian, Benoit, and Jericho, was it? Who was in this uh, right? what, Edge, Angle. Cr- Ed, yeah, there was, Angle. What, Mysterio? Who did Angle team with? Who did who? Who did Angle team with in that whole thing? Uh, I thought he, wasn't he with, I thought he was mostly solo. I'm not even sure. I mean, he yeah. was with Benoit for a bit. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we sort of, like, had a a huge collection of really talented guys who were maybe not necessarily tag team wrestlers all the time, but made tag team wrestling really good for a couple of years there. I mean, he did, uh, he did coach the world's greatest tag team, which That's is one of the true, best yeah. names for a team. Yep. <laughs> um, they were not in the world's greatest wrestling match though. No, they were not. <laughs> 
Uh, my, I don't have this in order, but uh, I will choose one that I put on my list here. Are you ready for this? Uh, Edge and Christian. <laughs> ah, yes. Excellent. Uh, hey, you think you know me? I, I, I like them because... Again, at a time where there was a comeback in tag team wrestling, they were kind of at the at the lead of all the teams. I thought that, yep. uh, you know, wrestling-wise, they were better wrestlers than the Dudley boys. Yeah. And they were better promos than the Hardy boys. Maybe not yeah. now, <laughs> at least with uh, Matt. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but at the time, they were, they were the best one of them. And, yes, they had that run with Kurt Angle, which was amazing. And uh, so I was always a big fan of Edge and Christian. Plus, they're Canadian, and they both did have those great singles careers. And I like that they, they wrestled as a tag team, but they didn't really have, like, a tag team finisher. They were just no. kind of two, two individual dudes. dudes. And, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty good run. I bet you if Christian was still able to wrestle, they would have given them another, like, uh, nostalgia run. But Oh, yeah. But nope. Uh, nope. So, so there you go. Uh, Edge and Christian, that's my first one. Um, right just on. just me, original. That's right. Um, for my number four, um, I got to go with the Young Bucks. Uh, just, I mean, I got obviously, uh, you know, all elite wrestling has, has kind of been a resurgence for me watching wrestling. Uh, watching, I just, I love watching Bucks matches. Um, I like uh, being the elite. I think they're funny dudes. Um, and uh, I, I thought back to their, their uh, you know, just their, I was thinking back to their um, uh, various matches that I just enjoy. I, just, I, li- I like watching them. I mean, their finisher with the fucking Meltzer driver sucks. I hate it. And the Indy Taker. I both hate them. Um, so I think, I think they're, they, they, they could have a way better finisher, but uh, they're still, uh, you know, still managed to crack the top five for me. Uh, Young Bucks. All right, Stu. Uh, number four, I went with Legion of Doom. They were my favorite tag team yes. as a kid. They are my, like, nostalgia pick i guess i mean i didn't really watch any of their stuff when they were the road warriors because i was too young but when they came to wwe and i was just starting to watch wwe then i really liked them just because of the whole like oh yeah bikes and all the makeup and shit it was just so fucking cool to a little kid did you have uh spiked shoulder pads Uh, did not know. It was one of the ones that was like trying to convince me dad to help me make and then realized all the pads don't exist in the UK because we play sports with a suit of massive pads. (laughs) (laughs) My my other uh, speaking of the Legion of Doom. Oh, sorry, Stu, I cut you off. That's quite all right. I just said that playing rugby, you don't need padding. There you go. Um, I uh, speaking of the uh, Road Warriors. Uh, big man, do you want to talk about your poster? Yeah, a friend of mine met the Road Warriors because they were they were the ones that launched Zubaz. Uh, yes! And so they had this poster of them in their Zubaz pants, and it was autographed by the Legion of Doom. And I had that poster hanging in my basement for a long time. Poster's long gone. But, uh, That's too yes, bad. I, it had your name spelt incorrectly on it. Yes, it did. <laughs> they wrote my name I wrong. your name incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but I, yes, Hawk and Animal signed my Love poster. LOD. LOD was when they, I remember, you know, when they came to WWF, it was like, I, you know, I'd seen things in, in like Pro Wrestling Illustrated about them, but I'd never seen them. And they were fucking as advertised. They were fucking killers. It was great. Uh, my number, I guess my, well, my second one, I'll call my number four. Uh, I kind of did this, I think, 
uh, to Pop Stew's dad. I chose yes. the natural disasters. <laughs> I was going to ask if we had a so, Stu's dad list. Stu's dad's list. That would be it. It'd just be one, two, three, four, five. It'd just be natural, <laughs> natural disasters. disasters. Yes. Uh, so I, I liked them at the time, though, because, you know, they were two fatties. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, two fatties are getting together. Who can stop them? <laughs> Uh, you know, they did, they did, they did moves where they would brutalize their opponents with like double fat moves, like a double, (laughs) they'd like run together into the guy or they would do a double avalanche. And, uh, I mean, really like looking back, they were, well, Tenta was amazing. Actually, John Tenta was a great wrestler. Uh, tugboat, not so much, (laughs) but, uh, still as a kid, I was like, this is a fucking great team. Like so good. And as a bigger guy myself, I was like, yeah, squash them. That's yeah, how I would do it if I wrestled. I would squash people with my fat. <laughs> <laughs> so natural disaster is on my list. And it's back right to you. Um, so I've, I've kind of, you know, over the over in recent years, I'd say over the, over the years, I've kind of uh, discovered how much I love the Rougeau brothers. Oh, mostly heel Rougeau brothers because they're amazing. Um, chicken shit heels. Uh, they're Franco fun. So that rules. Um, their theme song, All American Boys, tremendous. The gimmick that they moved to Memphis when they got with Jimmy Hart, but they come around with tiny little flags and they're all insincere about it. That's amazing. Um, you know, there's the, um, there's the, uh, I just, I, I have that image of where they job to the bushwhackers at Royal Rumble 90, but they all come to the ring and Jock's all got the big beard and he's all fucking shadow boxing. <laughs> and it just, it just looks like such a piece of shit. And, uh, yeah, the original brothers are great. And, uh, I'm going to put them, I'm going to rank them number three because I thoroughly enjoyed watching them uh, as I kind of discovered, uh, their greatness. All right, Stu. Uh, number three, I went with the Hardy boys. Uh, yes. as mentioned earlier with the edge and Christian thing, like these guys were involved in the like rebirth of tag team wrestling in WWF around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it was about the Hardys. I guess I was like a little wannabe punk rocker at that age, so their whole shtick was pretty uh, unique. But yeah, man, it's, it's an easy pick. They're one of the best teams ever. They still, like we sort of mentioned Matt earlier, still very, very relevant to current wrestling and has actually learned how to cut a promo as well. You, uh, you probably enjoyed their uh, when they were in the Tits tournament. The tit tournament. Oh, I remember that. The, the Terry, Terry the tournament. tournament. Don't you remember when they well, did that tournament? They, that's when they kind of became big. Yeah, in that 1999. Was, was they had that ladder match to win the, the tit. tit. Yeah, it was a Terry the Invitational tits. Tournament, and it was tit. I mean, that's a Vince Russo special. Oh, my God. Though I, I do love how Michael Hayes was their manager uh, early on, and, and the dude wore the fucking big baggy jeans oh. and the tight top <laughs> along with them. Tight Terrible. Top. Uh, Hardy Boys, great choice. Stu, do you wear mesh shirts like the Hardy Boys? Uh, I'll fucking find one these days. I would definitely rock that. <laughs> remember, hey, I remember when Jeff yeah, Hardy would wrestle pop. in a baseball cap. Ugh. He'll wear his baseball cap in the ring while he wrestled. <laughs> Jeff Hardy, such an enigma. Goddamn Jeff Hardy. <laughs> uh, my next team. Uh, this one is uh, a thrown together team, though they had a little bit of staying power, at least for just over a year. Uh, yeah. Chris Jericho in Big Show. Wow. Good oh, one. Okay. I was a fan of this team uh, because it was Jericho 
Yes. And Jericho makes everything work. So yep. they, had, they had the good dynamic. Uh, Big Show is a funny dude. Uh, they, yep. they, they won the titles. They had, they, they main evented the TLC pay-per-view against, uh, DX and they were maybe the only instance where they had two guys and they created the hybrid music of like the two ah. dudes. And this was one of the only ones that was actually a good, a good mashup of the two tunes was, uh, nice. if you ever get a chance, go back and give it a listen. It's pretty damn good. So uh, I was a fan of, of Jarrah show. Jarrah show, yeah. Uh, when they uh, when they had their run, so I put them on my list. So Chris cool. Jericho makes his first appearance of, I assume, a few today. <laughs> uh, he may. He Looking just at may. My list, absolutely. Uh, so let's go back to you, Mega Mix. All next right. team. Um, I'm gonna. You know, these two are, are neck and neck, but uh, getting the number two slot, the fucking British Bulldogs boys. Oh, um, nice. I mean, Davy Boy with the power, Dynamite with the uh, with the crazy steroids and the fucking and the steroids. Well, both with the steroids. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my God, just watching the Bulldogs, it's like watching it's 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 a couple of guys on a completely other level than the rest of the uh, the rest of the wrestlers of the time. It's like watching a, watching a Bulldogs match now is like watching a match now, like in in today's wrestling. It just works so good. Anyway, um, love love that team again. I kind of missed. Uh, I didn't watch wrestling. I was a big British Bulldog fan uh, singles when he uh, when he came back in in, in 1991 there in around nine, late 90. But um, uh, going back uh, over the years and watching the British Bulldogs has been a fucking treat. So uh, um, British Bulldogs right up there. All right. Stu. Uh, number two, I went with the Briscoe brothers. Uh Ooh. This one is mainly based on how many like how many times I've seen them over the years with Ring of Honor, and they've never failed to put on a good match. I've always enjoyed um, like one of my absolute favorite matches I've seen live was them against Austin Aries and Roderick Strong in Liverpool, which was like tag team wrestling like I'd never seen before in my life. Um, and then you know I've seen them numerous times over the years, and they've always 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 been great fun. And I used to love it when they came to the ring to Lynn Skinner. So nice. <laughs> probably, probably not very appropriate these days, but back in there, back in those yeah. two. I would assume, do. Stu, that uh, you know, watching the Briscoe Brothers and just kind of the way they the way they are, kind of reminds you of when you lived in Florida. The kind of backwater, <laughs> backwood people. Yeah, there. pretty much. They they were like my neighbors. <laughs> you know, when you first nice. said the Briscoe Brothers, I was I, I was going to ask you who's your favorite, Jack or Gerald. Yes, <laughs> I was impressed by them. I only seen them once, and it was when they faced SEU there at all in the in the in the, in the uh, pre match oh, yeah, yeah. pre show. I, I I thought they were great. Uh, my next one is oh, you know what? Because they had less longevity than the one at my at the top of my list, I'm going to yeah. go with the Mega Powers. Yes. Uh, oh, fuck me. Yeah. So the Mega Powers, of course, only had a run that lasted for about a year, maybe a year and a half in total, but yep. and only a couple of matches. But the matches were great. The promos were outstanding. And there was a storyline with the Mega Powers throughout the whole run yep. uh, where they were together. Uh, epic breakup led to the match at WrestleMania 5. I mean, Hogan and Macho Man, the Mania and the Madness. Yep. Uh, Miss Elizabeth in the middle. Uh, yep. I mean, they the won handshake. A, they, they, the handshake. They won a match because she like took her dress off. 
and, I mean, and spread it around in your panties. Yeah, so I mean, you got to go with the Mega Powers, an all-time classic. Oh, that's a great choice. Uh, so there you go. You're, now you go to your last one. My last one. Now, my, my son wanted to chime in So uh, in three of the categories. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down his list of favorite tag teams. Great. Okay. Um, on, and this isn't really in any order. Some of them are, but this one isn't. So uh, he's got on his list uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got the Lucha Bros. Yep. He's got the Young Bucks. He's got the Sex Gods. So he didn't say that. He said Jericho and Savage. <laughs> sure he did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just like Stu, the Hardy Boys. All right. So he's seen some rumbles and he likes the Hardy Boys. There you go. So that's my son's. Uh, my number one tag team of all time. Uh, it's the fucking Hart Foundation, fellas. Um, uh, Bret Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Uh, when I started watching wrestling, they were the tag champs. Fucking love them. Uh, great finisher, the heart attack. Uh, multi-time, two-time tag team champions. Uh, you, had the, you had the great promos where the anvil was just unhinged and, and, and the hitman would quote Phil Collins. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, calling the nasty boys scum at the bottom of the barrel. So great. And uh, yeah, Heart Foundation. Tremendous. Nice. Stu? Uh, my number one, I went with the Young Bucks. They yes. are questionably the best tag team I've ever seen live. Um, you know, the, the, I think the first time I saw them was a six-man with Kenny against Tanahashi. And it was at a Ring of Honor show here in Toronto. You may have even been there. Uh, slip i can't remember but that was the first time i ever saw them and like they had so much hype and i'd heard about them for so long and they just blew my fucking mind that night and my brother happened to be visiting then and he'd never seen them either and he was just like man people shit on these guys but they put on a fucking show and that was what stuck to me it was like for all the criticisms that are very valid at times with them watch them live and you'll never criticize them again no it's hard. It's hard. You it's know, hard it's to hard not to criticize that whole yeah. thing. I'm a big yeah, fan. Yeah, they, and they, they kind of care. They, they and they have the that big match feel too, right? Like they bring that yes. to the table, and that's that's uh, you know with tag teams, that's tough, and they they do it uh, most of the time. Uh, my my number one, Hart Foundation. Yes. <laughs> oh, for those of you who don't know, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, pretty much the same reasons that were listed. Uh, I guess aside from what you already said, uh, it's a tag team where both guys have such distinct styles, but they bring it to the team, right? So the Anvil's the brawler, Hitman's a technical wrestler, but you know, with Bret Hart obviously being the much better technical wrestler, no one fucking made a comeback like the Anvil. No, I know. You know, he took that hot tag like a fucking champ. And those fucking shoulder blocks, the big rhino gets in there. I mean, the guy could go. Like, you you think about him as, like, in the 90s when he was slowing down, etc. And obviously not so great. But Anvil in the 80s could fucking go. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, obviously a huge fan. Um, uh, Bret Hart, Mark. It's it's obvious. Yeah. Like, I think we both knew. I actually was, like, when I ch- one of the reasons I chose Mega Power second to last is because I didn't want to steal your thunder. I knew that the Hart oh, Foundation was coming. That's- that's so nice. I know. I'm a good guy. <laughs> Pat myself. Guy. Put myself over while I talk about there other teams. Yeah, put yourself over. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next category. Why don't we go five all-time favorite non-wrestlers? All right. So, I mean, when I was thinking of these for me, um, I made sure that, you know, listen, 
you know, boys, if if you really liked Bruno Sammartino on commentary, you could put him there. I mean, he's a, he's a retired <laughs> wrestler. So if you were like really into that, I think I think that would count. So that's the kind of the way I comported myself. Um, you know, it's not it doesn't have to be someone who never wrestled. It's just, you know, what in their role as a non wrestler, what was who was your favorite? So that was my reasoning behind my list. What about you guys? Stu? Um, mine was sort of like exactly the same sort of thing. I was like, I don't want to use people who've been former wrestlers, but if I have to, I yeah. will. I look, I, you know, I'm pretty confident I found a decent list of non at all wrestlers. Uh, right on. If I if I thought it was like all people who wrestle, but then I'm talking about their non wrestling role, I would have changed up my list. Now, there are people on my list who did wrestling matches, but they weren't wrestlers. <clears throat> okay, they, they yeah. like that wasn't their primary role. I like, and not even like they did some wrestling and not like they were ninety five percent not a wrestler. Um, and yeah. also <laughs> on my list, some things aren't even people. <laughs> I think I know where that's going. Uh, so we'll see. I have the same thing going on on my list. All right. You so, want to start? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, Stu, you start this one. All right, Stu. Uh, so I have at number five, Miss Elizabeth. Um, uh, the the concept of a, a valet or a manager is something that we really just don't really have much these days compared to what we used to when we all started watching it. But Elizabeth was for me, probably the best at it for her ability to, to draw the crowd into the story element of the match. And to be able to do that without physically being involved was quite a quite impressive feat. Um, she was the first, like, you know, superstar female, I think I ever remember watching when we were kids mm-hmm. on, in wrestling. And I, I, I may have moved a higher, but some of my other ones just just too important in wrestling to bump him, I'm afraid. Right on. Uh, my first one was the ring carts at WrestleMania 3 and 6. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, I'm the ones they used at, uh, recently at Royal Rumbles. Yes. Uh, so I love those carts. Uh, so for those of you that didn't know, at uh, WrestleMania 3 and 6 were in stadiums. Yes. And so the uh, the the aisle was really long, and in particular, Andre the Giant yeah. would have had a hard time walking down the whole way. So they built these automated carts that were little wrestling rings. Oh, so, <laughs> so good. you'd stand in the ring, and it would wheel you down to the uh, to the ring. So I love yes. those carts. I think that uh, they should use them more still. Uh, yeah. And, well, uh, like I said, at the Rumbles, they, they had these golf carts taking the big wrestlers down at the Rumbles that were in the big stadiums yeah. recently. And I was like, they, they were working so hard not to shoot them. And I'm like, why don't you just acknowledge it? Oh. Like, I know it's WWE and they don't want to acknowledge anything. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like they're hard pressed to acknowledge that, you know, that, they're, that, that the sun's out. But like, like, you know, show it because it's, it's great. So, yeah, I love that one. I, and again, we a couple weeks ago. We talked about Tito, and that's my that's my image. Tito on the cart, clapping out of time with his music and pumping his fist <laughs> out of time to the music. Uh, and Andre getting going back after the match at WrestleMania three, and people throwing fucking garbage at him. Yes, <laughs> so good. And, and at Macho when he lost the uh, IC title. Yes, <laughs> so good. Uh, so that's mine. Uh, Mega Mix number five for me, Miss Elizabeth, just like you, Stu. Um, I. I, you know, outside, listen, um, and, and 
obviously Miss Elizabeth was was uh, very attractive, and that was part of the package. But I don't think there's anybody outside of that who got so much out of so little because it's very clear there wasn't a lot of innate talent there for really anything dramatic, acting, comedy, nothing. But uh, she managed to uh, take what she had and uh, and you know become one of the one of the you know most uh, high profile valets managers of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, she was there, uh, she was part of one of the greatest, um, WrestleMania moments too, when, when she reunited with Mott at WrestleMania seven. And, uh, you know, you, when you, when you can craft something like that, along with the mega power stuff and, and just being involved in some of the biggest angles, um, she's definitely, uh, right up there on the list. So, uh, like Stu, Miss Elizabeth. All right, Stu, your next one. Uh, number four, I've got Jim Ross. Uh, I figured it was hard not to have him in your top five, um, given that he's sort of been involved in my various stages of interest in wrestling with everything up from like AEW right now, which has sort of re- mm-hmm. reignited my enjoyment of wrestling. And when I got back into wrestling in the sort of late 90s, he was around after not watching for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all that, again, like JR's got plenty of things that suck about him. Overall, <laughs> he's just too too important into in wrestling to not have for me. Yeah, behind the scenes too, right? Like for yeah. many years, talent relations at WWE and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And you know what? A guy that had to had to work next to that fucking uh, dirty dog <laughs> Jerry Lawler for so many years. Good on him. And had to work with fucking Vince being a dickhead to him all the time. Oh God. I yeah. mean, when they made fun of his fucking surgery, that was fucking terrible. Yeah. Oof. Um, okay, my next favorite. This is a tie. Okay. Between Matilda and Winston. <laughs> yes! Yes! So, <laughs> the British Bulldogs and uh, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, would bring actual Bulldogs to the ring with them. Um, and the best part was they'd have these dogs in the ring and then they'd have to pretend like the dogs were vicious. They'd like, they'd bring the heels in and they'd pick the dog up and throw the dog on the bad guys. Like, oh, he's getting them. And of course these dogs are not at all vicious. They're just playing. And, uh, bulldog, they're oddly terrifying. They're too inbred to, uh, (laughs) and also, also, I love the idea that uh, Davy Boy Smith understood what Winston was saying to him. <laughs> yes, Winston apparently could talk. Yeah, Winston would tell him <laughs> things and, and be like, "Winston tells you that he's gonna get you. You're gonna take a bite out of you." Yeah, WrestleMania <laughs> Seven. Yeah, him, so, and, him and Mean Gene uh, kneeling down. Yeah, and Mean Gene was doggone. I'm doggone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had to go with the dogs, Matilda and Winston. <laughs> All right. Um, for me, you know what? Let's follow this theme. Uh, I was going to put it a little higher, but let's go with it. Uh, for mine, it, it has to be Pharaoh, Cody Rhodes's dog. Yep. Um, just, uh, just a beauty, the the Siberian Husky, and uh, yeah, he got scared by the fireworks, but fuck it. Uh, Pharaoh's the best. He's got fucking t-shirts for God's sakes. Um, and uh, you know, I. I I, I, I like a, I like a good dog like like Matilda and, and Winston and uh, Pharaoh's right up there with with the dog performers. Yeah, I, I would have put a dog on my list, but my own dog would get very jealous. So I <laughs> oh, that's there. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor dog. Awesome. Yeah. 
So uh, there you go, dogs on, on yep. this list. Uh, Stu, what do you got? Stu. Uh, number three, I've gone. This was now my top three was where it got tricky. This was really like, oh shit. There's really mm. very little between these three guys, but I've gone for Gorilla Monsoon at number three. Oh, um, I know, I know, controversial. Um, Gorilla was like part of the, the when I very first got into wrestling, and mm-hmm. obviously you know who else I'm going to bring up later, and I'm sure you two are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a sort of voice of wrestling thing. JR may have been around longer in my wrestling life, but I don't think anybody comes close to Monsoon for sort of the childhood tickling your belly sort of feeling of like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a definite, that voice, you just, you know it. It's a yeah. happening, Jess. <laughs> Will you stop, stop it? it? <laughs> shit with Bobby the Brain was great. I mean, yeah, it, listen, Gorilla was a pretty terrible commentator, but uh, he was, he was, uh, definitely that voice right that you remember i show i you know people talked about how terrible he was i never thought he was that bad um no okay no i never thought gorilla was that bad a commentary he said dumb things for sure (laughs) but yep but he i mean at least he was emotional about what was going on in the match like he would react he would like when something despicable would happen gorilla would be so disgusted (laughs) i was much better to listen to than mcmahon i'll tell you and I like also that was the fucking worst. I also Man, like with someone else who will also probably be on the list later. How yep. you know the the heel was obviously like really goofy and biased towards the heels. Yeah. But Gorilla always trying to like figure out an explanation for the dirty tactics of the baby faces was also good. <laughs> I, I know. I I agree. And you know what? I don't hate Gorilla. I just I just you know you you listen and you're like fuck Gorilla Jesus, but. Yeah, he was the perfect foil for the heel announcers that he had, that he worked with. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess I'm going to probably spoil it for at least one of you, but uh, <laughs> along with Gorilla, I have Bobby Heenan. Nice. Uh, yep. Bobby Heenan, uh, a great manager, uh, a great announcer. I, the dude was funny. The dude could cut yep. a serious promo. He was a great yep. villain. Like the idea in the 80s that. Bobby Heenan wants to put a stable together and they want to destroy Hulkamania. Like, yep. it's not that I love the idea where it's like, I don't want to defeat this wrestler and take his belt. Like, that's what no. we want. It's this movement and we want to ruin it. Like, the plot to destroy Hulkamania. That's and, great. And Bobby Heenan was one of the constant voices trying to do it. So, you got to go I, with uh, I liked how he would, after Hogan turned heel in WCW, he's like, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Uh, Heenan, I loved, like, like as an example, in the Royal Rumble 92, when Piper all kicks kicks uh, Jake when he's got Flair in a compromised position or something, and he's like, oh, thank you, Piper. I'll never say, I'll be good, I promise. I, I, you know, I, I, I'll never say anything bad about you again. Then Piper all, you know, attacks Flair, and he's all, you skirt-wearing freak. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, so Heenan on my list, and uh, there you right go. On. All right. Uh, Stu. Stu, we're going to your next number one. Two. All right, I got Paul Heyman for my number two. Ooh. Yes, yes. Um, everything, ECW, Brock Lesnar, anybody who he's associated with, he brings a feeling of interest. Um, we talked about One Night Stand being one of our favorite shows last time around. Obviously, he was a big part of that. Um, you know, since Lesnar came back and he's been with Heyman, he's been 
about the only thing in WWE for the last 10 years or so that has genuinely been, fuck, I've got to watch this. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you still to this day feel the, the influence of ECW in professional wrestling, even though it only lasted a few years and yeah. wasn't even big anyway. Yeah. And Heyman's the only guy that can cut a real promo in WWE these days, too. Well, he's yes. the only guy that doesn't get it scripted for him, right? Yeah. He's I guess, great. yeah. And, you know, when we've known he's been behind stuff backstage, I've often enjoyed when he has more of an influence on that sort of thing. Not anymore, and, though, hey? Nope. Not anymore, because... In Bruce Pritchard's yeah. hands now. Oh, boy. Uh, no masks. <laughs> Bring back all the old wrestlers. Where's Big yeah. Show? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number two is Howard Finkel. Number two? Are we at number two or three? Uh, number two, aren't we? Yeah, number I have two. three more. Oh, you didn't oh. read one. You five, oh, Jesus, you missed one. All right, you guys well, both missed one. Well, anyways, you, I'm you assholes. Well, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing. Wait, yeah. Well, I'm doing Finkel, and you can do two after this. Okay, <laughs> you so uh, Finkel is my next one. Uh, I mean, the voice. Obviously, it's it's what everybody mimics. If you were <laughs> when. When you imagine yourself winning a world championship, that's the voice that's making the call, and that's the main yes. reason is because of because of that. He just it he adds the big match feel to uh, yes. to anything, and no one ever has matched that. Not even uh, Bruce Buffer or Michael Buffer. It's still not even close. I mean, the thing with and I, I think of Michael Buffer and Bruce Buff, Buffer doing like uh, wrestling stuff. And the main mm-hmm. thing with them in wrestling that didn't work is like you knew they didn't care, like they and they got names wrong, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, Hitman Clark, yeah. Whereas uh, the Fink loved the business, yes. and knew that doing that got people over. So uh, you know I, what I like about Fink is if you watch some of the like, um, like you watch him try to coach Joan Rivers at WrestleMania two, and you just watch the guy like trying to help her along. Yes, like just a consummate professional, right? Yeah, so that's uh, the thing. So Mega Mix, you got to give us two. I got two right because I have I have three left here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna say um, my number. Well, I'll do this one first. My next one is Paul Heyman. Um, well, we'll do Paul. I'll do them first then. Uh, like Stu said, um, everything about that. Uh, my, I mean, for me, it was the promo after they bro- after Brock broke the streak. I mean, one of the greatest promos I've ever seen. Yes. In my life. You know, Brock Lesnar's the one in 21 and 1, and it's just amazing. He gets the crowd to shut up by, like, mocking them, but, like, not in an over-the-top way. Just be like, I know you want to come here after WrestleMania and be seen on TV and all this shit. It was great. Um, <laughs> and then you kind of, you know, from, I mean, I, I as I've said in previous part, I watch a lot of old WCW and the old shit with Pauly Dangerously, awesome. Um, and, of course, he, uh, he, Somehow made ECW work and then fucked over everybody on money. Tremendous. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's you know still around. And, I, uh, uh, you know, it's still, like you said, if, if him and Brock are there, it's a big deal. Um, for my, for my, uh, my other one here in the, in the, uh, in the top uh, two, two slash three, um, over the last few years, and this is a former wrestler who, you know, transitioned after being away for a while. And uh, I wouldn't be from Winnipeg if I didn't uh, pump up Don Callis. Oh yes, um, for his work in New Japan, but you know, as a commentator, his podcast, which was amazing, with Lance Storm, 
um, his feuds with uh, Disco. Uh, he's running Impact now. I don't really, I don't watch, so I don't know. But uh, for that, there was a, there was like a year and a half where it was Don Callis all the time, and I loved it. So, uh, you know, the former Jackal, the former uh, Cyrus, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, not not a super stellar career pre- prior to his uh, his resurgence a few years ago. But uh, when he when he showed up at a, at an indie show in Winnipeg when Kenny was there and fucking pin Kenny, that was amazing. <laughs> Even though people got you mad, he used the code breaker on Kenny. <laughs> he all played Jericho's music and then did the code breaker and pin Kenny. So good. Uh, Stu, you're number one. The other half of our childhood, Bobby Heenan. Um, I had nice. this as number one for. Obvious, obvious reasons. I mean, the the '92 Rumble is possibly the finest piece of commentary for any sport I've ever heard, and Heenan is an integral part of that. Uh, yep. he, his managerial stuff was outstanding. He he somehow managed to both demean himself yet get over at the same time, and also get his opponent over, which is one of those things that we all know. It is one of the hardest things in wrestling is to maintain your credibility while also getting over your opponent. And Heenan was obviously willing to do whatever it takes, yet somehow did not look like a fool in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he didn't, didn't care. Didn't need to be cool, right? No. That was the big thing. He knew that, uh, you know, if, if, if the crowd t- hates him, then that's money. Yeah, and you know Bobby Heenan, uh, it was it was a decline for him in his in his life and his health. But there was nothing sadder though than not 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 sadder than the real life things he went through with cancer. But there was nothing sadder than watching his career just die in WCW oh, in the last few years. Jesus, not giving a like, fuck and drinking like and just yeah, rather be somewhere else. Um, and if you like all the Bobby Heenan stuff, the one thing that we should also mention, like in WrestleMania three. They cut this. He cuts this promo for Andre, yeah, like before the match with Hogan, mm-hmm. and it's fucking outstanding. Yeah, where it's it just is. like it makes you believe. Like like Heenan jokes around a lot, but he's cutting this promo and he's like, "This is serious shit now. Like this fucking guy yep. is gonna is gonna beat this guy in the biggest match ever." And and yep. here we go, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, right on. Uh, my number one. I made a uh, I made an executive decision when you said. No former wrestlers. Yes, please. Would be allowed. So I'm Come probably on. we've probably got the same one here. Yes, we do. Um, so that I should say knocked Mean Gene Okerlund off my list. And, oh yeah. And now Good. added at the top Jesse Ventura. Yes. <laughs> uh, like the greatest commentator of all time. Yeah. Like iconic voice. Uh, his his fucking like. The way that he would weave a story to rationalize what heels did. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Justifying cheating. Yep. Uh, but also, like, putting over cheating when the, the good guys would do it sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, the fact that he was over, like, crazy with the fans, that he would shit on McMahon, Chump Hogan. Yep. I mean... Yep. It, the list goes on and on. And when, and when there's an old-time pay-per-view, because I don't remember who commentates everyone, and yep. Jesse's voice starts, I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this three hours. Like, I know it. So, yeah, I mean, WrestleMania Six is enjoyable in part from watching, listening to Jesse. <laughs> and it's tremendous. Um, it's my number one pick as well. I want to give a quick honorable mention um, to, I got to say, Tony Schiavone somehow is 
way less terrible now than he was back in the day. And I got to give an honorable mention to a guy that I thought would, I remember telling you guys, what a fucking mistake hiring this guy. He's terrible. And you know what? He's been fucking solid. But um, Jesse Ventura, yeah, my number one uh, for all the same reasons. It's all the classic quotes. It's all the, uh, all the, all the great lines. Um, and, uh, you know, just that's for me, that's the voice. It, he came, it, he was before my time when I started watching, but as I delved back into the, you know, early on, I started renting all the old tapes. I was like, fucking this, Jesse, this guy's the best. And so, uh, yeah, Jesse, the body, my you, number one as well. You know, as you were talking about Shivani, I wanted to ch- chime in and make a joke about how, why didn't you have Mark Madden on your list? But, oh my God. but then I thought, you know what we should do the next two episodes should be the same list, but like least favorite. Yes, please. <laughs> just, Ooh. yes, please. Just so we can milk a couple alert, more. Mark Madden will be on there. A couple that fucking piece of shit. Yeah, Mark, yeah, we can milk this gimmick for a couple more episodes. So Sounds here good. we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next list, top five wrestlers, favorite wrestlers right now. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, I mean, this one kind it's of speaks for itself. Yeah. Yes. So, you start? Uh, I will. I will say. I guess I will start this one. Yes. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to say, because I know he's going to appear on other lists, is that I did not put Jericho on my list. Um, huh. I think Ooh. it was just mainly because we talk about him a lot, and I was like, I want to talk about <laughs> something other a little people. different. Uh, well, but Jericho also. I mean, when I take in ring action. Um, yeah. Like Jericho's stuff out of the ring is great. His matches aren't that spectacular anymore. No. Um, yeah. So, anyways, just just qualifying that he's not on my list. But, anyways. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, to of note on my list, uh, there is one person on my list who is affiliated with WWE, uh, an NXT wrestler, but otherwise, no WWE wrestlers on my list. Uh, I have one. So, I have one. Uh, number five. I have Minoru Suzuki. Nice. Uh, cool. This guy, I, I, I remember when I started watching New Japan Wrestling and he would have matches and I was like, who gives a fuck about this dude? Like, didn't get it, didn't care, um, was not enthused when he'd have a match, heard all sorts of good things and it just didn't register with me. But in the last like couple of years, I think it started where he had a match where if he lost, he had to cut his hair. And it was this great match, and he lost it, and then, like, took it like a man, like, buzzed his own hair and slammed it on the chair and walked away. But just the idea that this dude is just, like, like, he just goes in and shit kicks people. And, like, you really feel when he's doing his matches, like, he's going to beat the fuck out of somebody. (laughs) Um, And it's all fake, but, like, that's just how it feels. Uh, Stu will remember when we were at uh, the Ring of Honor G1 Supercard. At uh, Madison Square Garden, that dude came out second to that to the Rumble, and people lost their fucking shit. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, big fan. Awesome. Uh, that's why I put him on my list. Uh, Perfect. Why don't you go next, Mega Mix? All right. Um, my only WWE wrestler on here, fucking Brock Lesnar. Yep. Um, my only, the only guy I'll watch. Um, he is. Uh, it's the definition of uh, like a big, a big draw, like the only draw. I feel really the only draw in wrestling right now. Um, and uh, people hate him because he doesn't wrestle full time schedule. And I like when people are mad. Um, uh, I went to Raw. I've talked about this before in February. It was fucking terrible. But I'll tell you, I was fucking standing when Brock came out. 
the absolute, uh, you know, just an, a, a fucking legend. I'm, and, and that's it. And every time he wrestles, it's either like he could beat the fuck out of somebody or he could get fucking pinned in like a minute. Who knows? And that's the best thing about a Brock match is you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, that's, that's what's so great. So Brock Lesnar, number five. All right, Stu. All right, my number five, also my only WWE wrestler, is also Brock Lesnar. Yes! yes. Truly, take, take NXT off the, off the deck for a second, and uh-huh. Lesnar is truly the only thing in WWE that is remotely interesting right now. He, yeah. Since he came back after his UFC stuff, um, he has been the only thing that will make me Resubscribe to the network for a month just to watch, you know, yeah. if Les has a big fight. He's he's got, like you said, the big fight feel about him, mm-hmm. and will have sometimes pretty shit matches. Let's yeah. not, you know, forget that he has had some stinkers since he came back. But he's had, you know, thirty second to one minute matches with Goldberg that I was there for and was mm-hmm. fucking losing my mind because I didn't know what was going on. And then he has, like, outstanding matches with guys like AJ Styles mm-hmm. or... or um, do you have one with Finn Balor? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And Daniel and Bryan. Daniel, yeah, so, he, you know, he, he can still have 20-minute fantastic wrestling matches. And then he can also do, like, 19 suplexes in an F5, and I'll still be salivating about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I showed my son the John Cena match at SummerSlam, and we were just, like, enthralled by this guy just suplexing over and over. And yeah. it's like, well, because it's Brock. And it's, it's like, he can throw 20, 25, and it's like, I, I'm not bored. So there no. you, I love it, too. Good, good choice. Yeah. Uh, my next one is my only, again, WWE-affiliated wrestler. I put Adam Cole on my list. Um, but wait a minute, but he's dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't know the reference. It's from it's from when they kicked him when he when he left for WWE. Oh, they kicked yes. him out of Bullet Club and they said he was dead. Ah, okay. Well, then you know what? One of my big things with Adam Cole is that dude. If he was in AEW, would be like top three in that that Fed right now. Agreed. Like like. He would be selling, I would say, aside from maybe Orange Cassidy, he'd be selling the most merch. Uh, I don't know if people would be going apeshit for Hangman as much, because I think they'd be going for Cole. Like, that dude um, has got the fucking charisma. He's not, you know, he's not at the upper echelon of in-ring performers, but he's he's great. Like, his matches have been great. Um, And I don't have any idea why they have him in NXT. Um, I know Stu doesn't totally agree with me i think that dude could be like this like this decades like cm punk the only issue with him is that he can't cut a promo like cm punk like a a, an angry like i'm so bitchy with the wrestling world kind of promo Mm -hmm. um but otherwise uh big fan of adam cole and uh that's why i put him on my list black he's the right size for AEW, isn't he oh and you like know he was right. He'd be perfect. He was Bullet Club. He was friends with all those dudes. Like, oh, they're still friends. Yeah, of course, right? So, yeah, it may I'm be. You. you never know, right? It may be a matter of time. It might be. But I mean, the, the light, you have to. Lightning has to strike for a guy that size to to be anything in WWE. Yeah, agreed. So um, we'll see. 
Uh, that's so that's what, I, and you know what? Uh, the other thing is his the stable, the undisputed era stable. Like, um, I mean, g- credit to the guys themselves for getting themselves over, but like Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. At, like initially, I was like, what? I don't get it. Like, all right, fine. Yeah. Like those guys all so interesting and like funny and like and yeah. great wrestlers and just fans of all of them now in in this stable. Just it works. Or at least it did until I stopped watching NXT because of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. All right. Um, uh, I'm, I'm now fully AEW. It's what I watch. Um, my number four, Hikaru Shida, um, the best uh, women's wrestler in AEW. Um, it was solidified with uh, taking uh, Nyla Rose to a quite good match when she won the title. Um, and that was, uh, that was it. Uh, just, uh, you know, she tells a good story. She's a good, she's a great wrestler. Um, I remember seeing her against Riho at all out and was like, oh, you know, is she living up to the hype? But, uh, she really has, and she's uh, stepped up and is a lot of fun to watch. So Hikaru Shida, number four for me. All right, Stu. Good choice. Up. Uh, number four, I've got someone who I'm sure is going to pop up later between one or both of you. And that's Orange Cassidy. Yes. I can't put him any higher than four just because I've only really seen him wrestle properly a couple of times. But the the whole thing is just pure entertainment. It's pure joy. I think we've touched on this before, but there's somewhat wrong with you if you say you're a wrestling fan and you don't get his, his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure like he can transition into a more serious wrestler because clearly he can go. He can, yes. Um, but why fucking bother when when this when this gimmick works so well? And you know, obviously, it doesn't. It loses a bit without a crowd. But yep. like, we we saw, um, you know, when we went to Revolution after the tag match, the crowd was so poop for ages. And then as soon as Orange Cassidy's involved again, it's like. You know, like yeah. Les walked out or something. It's it's a it's a he's a it's a strange phenomenon, but uh, it is it really it's is. It's a completely unique character, and I think that's what what people really get into is that it's different. It's different from what yeah. you usually see. Someone who kind of doesn't care and just you know, you know, can't be bothered, but then you know yeah. when it gets riled up enough, all pulls out the fucking hands in the pockets, ranas and shit. It's good. <laughs> uh, my number three, uh, Koto Ibushi. Uh, yes. Kota Ibushi, yes. I think, I think when you go strictly in ring, maybe the best wrestler in the world. Um, nice. just so smooth. Like there, there are guys, even the, on the best guys, they, they, there are some things that happen sometimes where they like slip up or look sloppy. This yep. dude is smooth, man. This dude, like it, it feels like it's a movie that you're watching. He's just so good at everything. Um, about the instincts yeah and like just and so like it's almost strictly in ring that i'm uh that i'm a fan of him but uh i just i think he's the best in ring wrestler um you know and i mean people might say okada and so on but i like his style too um you know he can fly uh he can do mat work uh he's got good psychology he's just yeah kota Bushi. And he's dashing. He's a dashing, he's a dashing gent. Handsome man. Yeah. So, like, he's, like, almost 40, and he looks like he's 23. 
I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, so Kota Ibushi uh, is my third one. Alan's got the big guy. He's got the cool guy list with all the fucking Japanese dudes. Oh, <laughs> so cool. Uh, my number three, fucking Orange Cassidy, boys. Nice. Um, just like Stu, uh, all the same reasons. Uh, unique character. Um, we fucking saw this dude wrestle Gangrel. And the place <laughs> was fucking going crazy. And Gangrel, this old fucking fuck veteran, all just getting into the gimmick too. And it was fun. And uh, when he showed up at All Out, fucking awesome. And then uh, that match with Pac was tremendous. And uh, just everything. I, 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 got, I bought a shirt from him. That was great. Um, and uh, yeah, Orange Cassidy is uh, my wife's favorite. So uh, she's, we, I made her a puzzle. We made her a puzzle for, uh, for um, Mother's Day. It was like a collage that I made in Photoshop of just stuff. And in the corner, it's all Orange Cassidy, all peeking out with his half thumb up. <laughs> awesome. Orange Cassidy. All right. Uh, Stu, it's over to you. Uh, number three, I have gone with John Moxley. Yes. Uh, I didn't know shit about him on the indies. Never watched any of his sort of CZW stuff. Popped up in WWE. Didn't really blow me away. The first time I really was like, oh, this guy's actually pretty good, was I saw him have a match with Triple H at a uh, show at the Rico Coliseum. I was at that uh, show too. Nice. You were? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Block, wasn't it? Yeah, that's you can get see yeah. that match on the network. Yeah, you can. It was, uh, yeah, it was like a Saturday Night Live special on the network thing, and it was fucking great. And I was like, "Oh wow, this guy!" And like, had so, so many near falls, considering that you knew there was no way that Triple H was dropping the belt on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but since he's come to AEW, he's found like a whole new gear of um, interest. And, and what I'll say, the, the thing that I like him about him the most is that there are very few universal faces in wrestling. He doesn't act like a face, but mm-hmm. as, as Slip will attest, when we saw him against Jericho, even people that were cheering for Jericho were still cheering for Moxley. And then when he won the title, it was like, fucking hell, like, this actually lives up to the hype of the guy that you know is going to win the belt. It still felt like a big deal, even though we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I'm very interested to see what he get, what he ends up being able to do. Yeah, I think he has a big, big ceiling on him. Yeah, a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Getting that, not having that stupid name anymore, and you know, like, yeah. the, the, and and get and not not having the the, the blue jeans is is a big help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, like wrestling in tights helps a lot. Um, or even just like cargo pants that look cargo pants looks stuff. better than jeans. Uh, the jeans are for fucking terrible. Uh, Moxley uh, earlier on, like I think it was early on this year, maybe it was last year. But again, one of the big like exciting things that happened in New Japan was when Suzuki challenged him, and like Moxley and yeah, Suzuki yeah. had a match, right? And it was like yeah. these two guys are gonna just like beat the fuck out of each other. And again, yeah, like it's fake tough. wrestling, right? But you watch yeah. and you're like you you believe. Like, yep. this is going to be people beating the shit out of each other. It's great. Right on, brother. Um, what do you got for number two, big man? My number two, Orange Cassidy. Yeah. <laughs> Four, three, two. Yes. Uh, so, two, I'll, I'll say two things. One is, uh, every, I obviously agree with everything that's been said. Um, that Orange Cassidy match at, at Revolution, um, the Kenny, you know, the tag match was probably the best match I've seen live. But 
the most fun match that I've seen other than Hogan Rock at WrestleMania 18. <laughs> I mean, it was so much fun, that Orange yeah. Cassidy match with Pac. Um, and, you know, I like that the guy incorporates the crowd into his matches. It's like you're a part of the gimmick. And, uh, yes. and the more fun you have, the better the gimmick is. So um, yeah. I like having that responsibility. And then the other thing with Orange Cassidy is, and I think it ties into you talking about him being your wife's favorite wrestler. Yeah. You, you could show an Orange Cassidy match to someone who hates wrestling or doesn't care about wrestling. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll be interested. They'll, be, they'll think it's funny. Yeah. And interesting. And, you know, because it's not all about the wrestling or the storyline. It's like, this dude is different and he's got the unique look and whatever. It's where the genes in a match actually work, fellas. Yes, <laughs> finally. Yes. One of my biggest pet peeves, genes yes, in wrestling. Jeans. Uh, yeah, it, it, well, I, Orange Cassidy and Bobby Bitchin. Oh, Both yeah. Good with genes. <laughs> oh, Bobby Bitchin really only got over when he had the suspenders. suspenders. So, That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. Yours. Uh, my number two, uh, Chris Jericho. Sorry, big man. I know I know you don't agree, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I hate him. Fucking, I hate him. Uh, Jericho is one of my all-time favorites. Um, he's just solidifying his place uh, as he goes up the ranks of my all-time favorites with this run in AEW. And, you know, his previous run in New Japan as well was highly entertaining. Um, as you know, I, I went fucking crazy when he showed up at All In. Um, uh, we talked about that. And I've been made fun of. Um, I, I was screaming for him. Jericho, uh, here he is. Just, uh, you know, he brings, yeah, he's, he's not bringing the in-ring work as much anymore. But it's not terrible uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, you know what? Um, when, when Jericho's, he's a draw. And uh, people want to see him. And he's funny as shit. And he's, uh, he's, he's just, you know what, just adding to the career, his career at this point, I kind of feel like he's finally kind of getting his due, you know, for all the years in WWE where he was, you know, he, he had titles and whatnot, but, uh, to put him as the focal point, he really, he really took it and ran with it in AEW this year so far, the last year and a bit. And, uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to watch. He's, he's a 49 year old wrestler, um, who's at the top of the card. But when you yeah. see his matches, it's not like you're like, this guy shouldn't be at the top. Like, you know, where you no. have guys that hang on too long, like WCW, obviously, for a long time, put the old guys at the top that yeah. couldn't go anymore. Jericho can still go. Um, yeah. I don't think he's at the level, obviously, of other guys on, on the list, but I mean, he's 49. Yeah, and, but he's not like other guys at 49. He's yeah. still got it. Yeah. He's yeah. still go. Yeah, like when he goes, when they put him in the main event, I don't go like, what? Like, no. <laughs> It makes sense. Well, because he's got that mind, too, where he knows how to put a match together and play to his own strengths. So, yeah. Uh, number two for me. All right, Stu, what Stu. do you got for uh, number uh, two? Number two, I have gone for someone who I never thought would make any lists of mine a year ago, and that is Hangman Adam Page. Hey! Yes. Nice! So I, before we like put this together, I was sort of like had him as a thought in there. And I look back on some shows that I've been to, some Ring of Honor shows. I was like, oh, shit, I've seen him wrestle there. And I don't remember him at all. Um, and early in AEW, I was like, well, this guy's fucking crap. <laughs> Signed him. But since he lost the title match with Jericho, the dude's just had one of the most unbelievable turnarounds that I've seen him wrestling mm -hmm. in a long time. Generally, when I write you off as you're a bit shit, you're not going to change my mind. But this dude has become, you know, 
pre-COVID the most entertaining thing about the AEW with honestly very little change really he's just drinks but yeah. like you know for all that we've just talked about Orange Cassidy I don't think anybody had the crowd behind them as much as Paige before we obviously stopped all of that absolutely um, I put him so high because he has changed me around so much he's an honorable mention for me uh, I, I remember us sitting in the crowd you know, very, very much hoping that Jericho would win that title. Yeah. And thinking Hangman is not ready. Well, you know what? Oh. It's like, it's like within four months, the dude was ready. And he just took it. And uh, good, good for him. Now, people talk about him like he's going to be the thing. And we were like, I don't get this. Like, and that wasn't even a year ago. And we were like, what? Yeah, what? Like, why Hangman? Like, Please, we're 10 months later and he's the shit. Yeah. He's fucking great. When he's riding that fucking horse chasing Sammy at Stadium Stampede, amazing. I don't even like fucking cowboys at all. Cowboy wrestlers, worst. But you know what? Hangman, best cowboy wrestler. Um, so my number Except for one. Alan the Cowboy in, in Raw. <laughs> Love Monday Alan the Raw Cowboy. <laughs> uh, my number one wrestler, I'm sure I'm stealing it from at least one of you, Kenny. Ah, yes. I mean, come on. Come on. Um, I still don't think that Kenny Omega has, I mean, you could say either because he hasn't brought it or he hasn't had the opportunity to bring it. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think that we've seen this dude's best in AEW. We've certainly nope. seen glimpses of it. Uh -huh. and, and when you see those glimpses, you're like, fuck, like this is the guy. But uh, for whatever reason, um, I mean, right now it's obviously COVID. But really, even before that, I, I think that... I, I still am not totally like I don't want the bookers to obviously book themselves at the top. Yep. But I think that they're going a little too far the other way, or at least they were for a while. Um, they, I'm, they did. Yep. I'm glad that they settled Kenny in with this tag team with Hangman because now he can be a featured guy, but he doesn't yep. have to take away from the single stars. But this yep. dude, like when they come back with crowds, I, I think they got to go quickly to Kenny for a period of time. I agree. Um, one thing that I listen, Kenny doesn't book the men. So why don't why doesn't the Bucks and Cody book Kenny? Because really, come on, seriously, just put him on top. Because he we talked about this a year ago. When we were talking about AEW, right? We were like, got to put Kenny in that position because uh, he's the guy. And uh, you know what? I, I listen. These guys have uh, working the schedule. They work. You know, they're going to get a lot more longevity out of some of these guys. So yeah. Um, I'll, I won't step all over it. He's my number one. Fucking Kenny's the best. Um, Kenny's what got me back into wrestling. Uh, uh, Kenny and you guys got me back into wrestling. And uh, we, Me and Stu, and, number and, one on your list. Yeah, my, my son <laughs> met Kenny and got his picture with Kenny. Kenny's a super nice guy. Um, I, his, his ring work is fucking amazing. You know what? He gets shit on a lot by the, by the purists, right, who are like, you know, oh, he's the jazz hands and the, you know, the, the style. But you know what? Like, he's got a unique style. Like, he wrestles like nobody else. Like, just the way that he does, uh, just the way that he, you know, moves around the ring is like nobody else. It's, it's uh, engaging. It is different. Uh, he can, he's got, you know, he can fly. He can, he can get on the mat. He's got, uh, I, I love his finisher. Um, he throws wicked knees. Fucking Kenny, number one for me as well. Let's move on to Stu. There's, I was going to say one more thing with Kenny. There's guys yes. in... Uh, though, wait, wait. Actually, no. Stu, is he your number one? No, Jericho's my number one. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, one All more. Right. 
um, yeah, yeah, one more thing with one more thing with uh, Kenny is that uh, I think that I mean, obviously, if you watch his New Japan work, you're like, this guy is outstanding. You see those six star yeah. matches, etc. And now that he's wrestling on North American television, there's obviously a big part of this crowd that has seen his work and knows it. But mm-hmm. I think that there's some people who haven't seen a lot of it and they're kind of still sitting there being like, well, show me. Yeah. Like, like, show me what this is. I want to see this guy be the number one guy and, and also like stick it to his critics. Yeah. And I don't think that he's done that yet. And I, I really desperately want to see it. Yes, I agree with you 100%. So we just, you know, it, it needs to happen. Let's right. talk Chris yeah. Jericho. Jericho, Stu. On Kenny, the, the reason he didn't make my list is that I honestly feel he has been slightly underwhelming in AEW so yep. far. Whether that's things that you mentioned about not being given an opportunity, but he's had big matches and they fell a little flat for me. All right. Well, tell us about Look, Jericho. Jericho. All right. The, the multitude of reasons. I'll give you my top one right now. The only good thing about Dynamite while it was being filmed in QT Marshall's barn or whatever it was, was Jericho commentary. They had a limited roster of people I'd never heard of who weren't that interesting, (laughs) but every week I tuned in because Jericho was going to be fucking hilarious. He managed to get a guy over, like the Pineapple Pete thing, with a throwaway comment, and then the guy gets a t-shirt, and it's his biggest selling at merch item. (laughs) Jericho makes people money without even thinking about it. His... You know, you can you can see he and Matt Hardy all over the the, stero- uh, the stadium stampede in terms of the booking and what have you, which yeah. was one of the most entertaining things I've seen in a long time. Yeah, uh, we'll have to review that show, boys. Yes, um, his uh, title run was great fun, and he was absolutely the right guy to have that title run. His stuff within the circle has been constantly entertaining mm-hmm. while not making himself the focal point of it. He gives the other guys an opportunity. Like he makes Hager interesting and Jake yes. Hager boring as fuck. Yep. <laughs> Yet somehow he's an entertaining part of what feels like the only one that I feel like that will benefit from leaving that stable is Sammy. Yep. But- I think Sammy's going to get a lot working with Jericho too. He already has, but you know, assuming Sammy comes back, which he probably will, Jericho is like the right guy to mentor him too, because you know, Jericho will, will sit down with him and be like, look, dude, like I fucked up too. Like, you know, Jericho's had his share of things, (laughs) punching a woman, you know, drunk uh, DUIs. Like, so, so I'm sure that he's the right guy too, to be like, okay, like you can get through this. Yeah. So, I mean, Jericho is, you know, uh, you know, number two for me, number one for Stu. And, you know, for me, it's the minute that he got out of his hot tub and he's wearing fucking pants. <laughs> that was the fucking best. Or releasing the hounds and his little puppies all run out. Amazing. So good good choice, Stu. I wanted to just jump in here, boys. My my son has a list. Um, his, his, uh, his number five is Chris Jericho. His number four is Kenny Omega. His number Ooh, three country. is uh, Matt Hardy. His number two is Ray Phoenix, and his number one, John Moxley. So there you go. A nice. good list. A good list, list from, a, from a nine-year-old. So well done. Uh, so there's the last list here that you put together, and this might be the one I was looking forward to the most. Yes. Top five favorite moments. Yep. Uh, when I chose moments, uh, I think one of my moments 
two of my moments happen as a result of a match, but they're not mm-hmm. a match. Um, I consider it a moment to not be like a match itself. So, for example, like I already said, Hogan Rock, obviously, like the best thing that I saw. But yeah. I'm not considering it a moment. I'm considering it a match. Um, yep. So that's kind of how I went through mine. This might yep. have been the easiest list for me to put together. I had a really hard time. Uh, three of mine are, you know, things that happened, uh, you know, kind of in matches. Uh, two of them are not. Um, one is quite nebulous. Um, but yeah, it was, for me, this was tough. And I probably left a lot on the table. But I know that one of mine's going to get some serious lulls. So Nice. Uh, <laughs> Stu, what about you? Uh, you want to know how I did this? I went back and looked on my YouTube history and was like, what do I actually like rewatch a number of times? Ah, and then, he, he put some research in. I did I put some real thought into this one. I was like, these are things that I like, you know, happened X amount of years ago. And I still, if I'm like, ah, I'm a bit bummed today. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'll watch that. That makes me nice. feel really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely more re- way more research than I did. All right, Stu, you get started. All right, then. My number five is CM Punk's entrance from Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago. Yes. yes. I, like, this whole punk era in, right now in, that we're talking about here is, like, the only WWE thing that has made me fanboy the fuck out for a long, long time. Yeah. Like, I loved this shit. It was really good matches, like phenomenal promos, almost good booking, but then they shit the bed with that, obviously. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I love, and like the crowd is, you know, you, you watch stuff and you're like, oh man, I wish I could have been there. You say that a lot, but this one I'm like, fuck, if I'd known this was going to be this good I and mean, I was only in Toronto you know, I'd moved here maybe two or three weeks before this and was like, fuck, if I'd known how good that was, I would have chopped over to Chicago for the night. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that was quite that was quite the thing. I'll I'll yeah. do I'll do my first one. I have CM Punk beats John Cena at Money in the Bank. That was so good. Nice. Both uh, are perfect. So same, you know, obviously same match. Uh, I was in Montreal at the time. Uh, I watched this, I think it was on my birthday, or it was close. And I watched it at a famous players in Montreal uh, and was going like fucking apeshit for this whole match. And then Punk beats the dude and it's pandemonium and they have Del Rio come out and you're like, oh, fuck, here's how they get out of it. And then they don't. And then the dude goes through the crowd and you don't know if you're going to see him again. And again, now knowing what they did kind of ruins it. But at the yeah, moment, a couple days, it was pretty awesome. At the moment, you're like Comic Con with the belt. Yeah, you're like, this is going to be fucking great. Like they can they can ride this for like three four months. It can and be like a thing that he makes people watch, and then yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, so so exciting, and they uh, yeah, title on Mysterio, and then whatever, and fucking. Uh, so that's my uh, that's also on my list. So Punk beating All Cena right. uh, on May seventh, twenty twenty, boys. Uh, one of the greatest things I've ever seen happened, and that was. Kenny and Matt Hardy running down Sammy Guevara with a golf cart. Um, <laughs> nice. The clip that you will see for many years to come. Uh, maybe the most iconic clip from AEW so far. Um, it is Kenny looking diabolical. Leaving out the window, pointing at Sammy with Matt Hardy at the wheel. They look ridiculous. Sammy takes the, a, the stupidest looking bump I've ever seen. Because 
who stops running. But anyway, uh, goes pinwheeling off the side. Just everything about that made me fucking die. And uh, the memes that came out of it were tremendous. And that's my number five. Wow. All time. Oh, yeah. Michael. Loved it. All right. Uh, Stu, back to you. Uh, my number four, one that we were there for, was Jericho's run-in at All In. Uh, yes. Attacking Kenny after his match with Penta. The the thing is, I, I watched this whole match again again recently, and I'm like, they were in the dark for fucking ages. I forgot how long it was. I know. The two out for. Which, like, watching it back was like, oh, that takes away from it a little bit. But we all knew what was going to happen. Like, everybody there knew what was coming, yet yeah. we still popped like little kiddies for it. Um, yeah. Well, we didn't want to believe it because it didn't seem plausible that he would fly in. And when you hear the story that he told, it's like he cut it real close. So we were talking about it and it was like, I don't know. So there was still that little bit of, I don't know if it's going to be him. And then it wasn't, it was amazing. Um, my next one, this is the day I became a, uh, a WWF fan. Yes. Uh, Paul Orndorff turns on Hulk Hogan. Yes. Uh, this was a match on Superstars with Orndorff and Hogan against uh, Stud and Bundy. And, you know, looking back, like watching it as an adult, you see that coming, right? Like they show all the lead up and you know it's actually coming. But as a kid, I didn't watch any of the lead up. And so one day they had this match on and I was like, what is this? And I barely knew who Hulk Hogan was. Yeah. And they start the match, and I remember, like, they, they went to commercial, you know, where the baby faces are riding high. Yep. And I'm so excited, I tell my mom. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is so great. And then, I love it. And then the match keeps going, and then fucking Orndorff turned on Hogan, that piece of shit. <laughs> and I was, like, I, I was like, I have to keep watching this. Like, I have to watch this product. And that's what got me yep. into wrestling. So Orndorff so turning great. on Hogan has to be on my list. Amazing. That's great. Um, like I said, I, I went through a lot of things here. Um, in 1990, you know, in the 90s, watching wrestling, not easy, as in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, specifically their weekly TV, my God, Raw, in like 94, 95, 96, Jesus. But uh, on February 17th, 1997, Red Hart loses the title to Sid and cuts the fucking promo of a lifetime. Uh, frustrated isn't the goddamn word for it. Say shit on TV. I, it was like, for me, it was like watching that. It was like, I watched it live and it was like, okay, so Monday night just got real for these guys. Cause they were getting, you know, NWO had started up in the summer before and, you know, we were still staunch WWF guys cause that's all we could really watch. And at that point I was like, now I'm really interested, uh, with Bret Hart kind of, uh, you know, kind of going full blown there you know doing it doing his thing uh i thought that was a pivotal point for me and i always like to watch that one back because it's fucking great uh, Pro. not to be that guy but uh, actually uh <laughs> it was not in the february match that he uh lost it he what, wasn't no he lost the belt in that in that match in february on raw because of austin interfering yeah and then the week before wrestlemania they had the cage match Oh, it was a cage match. Where, Sorry, guys. Where Brett was trying that's to right. get the title and he lost, and that's got where he, he cut that I got promo. it wrong. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, but, You're uh, right, because the cage, that's right. He was trying to get the title back. Yep. 
but amazing, right. amazing yes. moment. So I'm with you 100%. Uh, honorable mention to Bret Hart's promo on El Dandy in WCW. <laughs> as a, as gri- Bret's greatest moment. Where he calls himself a jam-up guy. A jam-up guy. You know, he calls, he calls El Dandy a jam-up oh, jam guy. A jam-up guy, yes. Uh, He's a tremendous wrestler. Are we uh, back to Stu? Stu, yes. Number three. Okay, this was one of the first things I remember watching with my little brother when we sort of started to get into wrestling and we used to get a show on Friday night called Superstars and I'm not sure if that was a real show or if it was one of them ones they put together for international markets. Mm-hmm. But the moment was uh, Jake Roberts' Cobra biting Randy Savage. Oh, yes, dude. This was like shocking like me and my brother are probably i don't know i think i would have been like 10 or 11 and my brother would have been eight or nine or something like that and i remember we stayed up like my mom and dad had already gone to bed it was on at like 10 p.m or something on a friday night and we were allowed to stay up and watch wrestling and we were watching this at the end of the show and was like how the fuck do they fake this like we already realized that wrestling was fake but we're like that's gotta be a real snake they can't have made a fake yeah. snake but yeah that's a real that snake was- Shocking, like that was macho, that consummate professional. Oh, I know, right? Just agreed Jesus. to have the snake bite him, though he was all paranoid about it being venomized. If you ever hear Jake yes. telling the story, yeah, well, I would be if uh, Jake uh, yeah. was involved. Yeah, of, of course. <laughs> uh, on my list at number three, I just wrote Macho Man versus Jake. Yes, oh. um, Saturday's main event. I, I, mine was more so uh, just the rage of Macho Man Randy Savage throughout the storyline. Yes, uh, just the most intense promos. Like these weren't wrestling promos. You, if you go back and listen to them, like you believe that this guy is going to kill the other guy. Yeah, and, and, I know. And, and as mad as he'd be about the snake, the Elizabeth stuff, that guy is like fucking crazy. Yep. Um, and it's it's just believable. May make you a little insane. Yeah. <laughs> and the matches um, were believable. Like, you actually thought that Randy Savage wanted to kill this guy, but that Jake was dangerous. Um, well, the best part was Macho Man in his big uh, neon hat doing the promo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the Saturday Night's Live main, uh, Saturday Night main event, though, was still where Macho wins. And then Jake's going to waffle Elizabeth with the chair, and Undertaker makes the save. Um, yep. was like, I remember watching that and being scared that Jake was going to do something like <laughs> so dastardly. And that's then Undertaker so good. Well, that's partly because, you know, and Elizabeth, as we hearken back, you know, you didn't want to see her, anything happen to her. Yep. So, uh, there awesome. you go. Uh, that is my, uh, moment three. All right. Number three Great. for me. Um, you know, listen, I loved Jericho's debut, but for me. Uh, the best moment was uh, Raw, April 17th, 2000. Chris Jericho beats Triple H for the title uh, on a fast count. The fucking place goes ballistic. Uh, they reverse the decision, but that was the most interesting TV I had watched in fucking years. That, the way that played out over the course of the show was fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, Jericho, you know, obviously we were big Jericho marks. It was so exciting when he won. Um, it was so heartbreaking when he got it taken away, but that whole thing was fucking awesome. Uh, you called me. I was working that night. You yep. called me at work, and you're like, Chris Jericho wins the title. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> hey, me and Chris Jericho. It's been a long time, boys. It's a long so, road. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, Stu. Uh, so, number two, 
I went for CM Punk's pipe bomb uh, yes. promo. Nice. Yes. Again, like, been a fucking CM Punk mark for years. Like, I remember, like, you know, getting DVDs from Ring of Honor in the yes. mid-2000s was the first time I ever saw him. Like, all his shit through him. Pretend ECW, I loved all of that. And then, uh, yeah, like, the... Uh, again, this was, like, you know, probably... I think this was, like, maybe a week after I'd moved to Canada and I was sitting in the hostel that I was living in at the time in the living room and I bugged everybody to let me watch Monday Night Raw. Yes. yes. I remember sitting there like watching this promo with my mouth fucking wide open and the people that don't give a fuck about wrestling had just been taking the piss all the way through. We were looking at me like, is it, has he like gone off script or something? Know, right. They I cut his fucking mic. Up. That was, a, that whole thing was great. Yeah. I actually, like, that was one of the few times where I kind of said, I was like, I'm not sure if this is part of the show or not. I'm really not certain that this has been approved. He thought he worked him, he thought he got worked into he a shoot. Worked me into a shoot, brother. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I would have, I would have mentioned that too, but I, I decided on one thing from that whole thing. But that, again, like, maybe the most exciting month in, in WWE wrestling, like, in the last 10 years. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Jericho debuts uh, yes. in WWE in August of 1999. We all knew it was coming. Yep. Uh, we knew the date. It actually happened because at the time in Canada, we, we Raw was on uh, a delay. Mm-hmm. So we knew it was, it was happening. We, we, we saw it on the internet. And then we got together that night and we watched it. And it was fucking mm-hmm. great. And then I watched it the next day and the day after because I taped it and yep. it was just like nonstop. And I can watch it to this day. He he debuts against The Rock. Um, there's been a lot of debuts, but that's like the best debut they've ever done. It was really well done. Um, you know, it, we were all, you know, smart marks, right? So it's like, oh, we've, we've seen Jericho's work and we're very excited. And uh, they, I was actually shocked that they debuted him so big, but uh, it was well done and uh, love that moment. The moment that the Jericho appears on the Titan Tron and the big fucking pop yeah. happens is like the, never forget. That's it. it was an Austin sized pop. Yep. So crazy. So that's my number two. And then it just went flat for like a while, eight, eight nine flat. months. Yeah. Um, my number two. Oh, big man, you're gonna love this one. Uh, this is one of my favorite moments that's ever happened in wrestling. It's July 22nd, 1996 on Raw. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll build it up and then you'll, you'll know as I go. I know what it so, is. I know what so, it is already. So, so a, a, a cake is wheeled into the ring uh, for Shawn Michaels' birthday. And Shawn Michaels comes out and he sticks Sonny's face into the cake. And that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, 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 uh, the segment before what happens. And um, the next match involves the goon, a hockey player wrestler who comes out and has a match against, I can't even remember who. And goon goes outside the ring and fucking does a little run and fucking slips on some of the cake that was at ringside. Best moment. <laughs> goon slipping on cake. We fucking, we fucking love that shit. It was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. Listen, the Shockmaster falling through the, the screen was awesome, too. But I still think this is a highly underrated fucking botch. It's tremendous. I love the goon slipping on cake. We, co- we talked about it forever. Yes. 
Yeah, the goon slips on cake. Now I'm trying to type it into my uh, into Google. So I remember back when I was watching the, the Jets play and people would make fun of Mark Shifley for always falling on the ice because he, he would slip and fall. And I remember posting a, a, a gif of the goon slipping on cake that got a big pop from you. I love <laughs> Making it. fun of Mark Shifley. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. No, that's a great one. Fucking goon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's a great one. As soon as you said the date, I'm like, what could it be? And then it hit me very quickly. Yep. All right. Number one. Number one, one Stu. All right. Number one. This is another one that has got a somewhat sentimental uh, yes. connection for me. The so this, was, this is from a show that was one of the first pay-per-views that both me and my brother stayed up to watch together. Uh, my parents were on vacation at the time. So we stayed up late, we got some drink on, we got pizza, we did yes. a bit, and it was for Judgment Day 2000, which yes. was The Undertaker's return as the yes. American badass. Yes. And, like, I, I'm no enormous Undertaker fan, uh, This, but the fuck, me and my little brother at, like, what would have been, like, nearly four in the morning in England, marking out, like, little kids... Um, which after would have been a really good fun Iron Man match between Triple yes. H and Rock, and then Taker coming in and like the whole sequence, and I watch it back quite regularly on on YouTube, and everything about it is just fucking perfect. And then like the popping McMahon in the face, and that's what yeah. does that goofy little strut is. Oh, it's, it's 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 as far as like a personal one as it is anything really good. But honestly, oh, it was great. Favorite moments ever in wrestling. Big man, did we were you in Winnipeg at the time? Yeah, we were watching that at Cafe House at, uh, at, at the Bone Pone or the Bone Pone. Yeah, we would have watched it at, at one the of those. Pony Corral. Yeah. Uh, my favorite things about that, obviously, the Iron Man match was great. Uh, Taker coming out to American Badass was was great. I've never liked Taker, but the two things I loved about that match was Taker's big fucking duster that he was wearing and <laughs> Shawn Michaels' little shorts. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The referee, Shawn Michaels. Anyway, uh, yeah, great, great one. Steve. Oh, that is a great one. Um, and and Taker comes back there, and he'd always been the, the zombie, right? And now all of a sudden, yes. he's this bo- motorcycle, fucking yep. like in a gang. Like, what is fucking he? Fucking booger red boys. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The learning tree. Throw <laughs> <laughs> some fucking soup bones. Yeah, the, probably the first ever soup bones happening there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number one uh, moment. It happened. I mean, there's one particular moment, but I have to talk. Summer of 1997. Yes. Uh, Bret Hart, over the course of multiple weeks, reuniting the Hart Foundation. Oh, it's so good. Uh, you know, Owen, Owen and Davey first, manipulating Owen them. crying. Yeah, oh. into, into coming back to him. Then Brian Pillman attacking Steve Austin out of nowhere. But yep. the last one, so uh, I was watching Raw by myself on Monday Night at Home. And the fucking uh, Austin is stalking Bret Hart in a wheelchair up on the uh, up on the Titantron stage or on the, you know, the set stage. Mm -hmm. And and out of nowhere on the screen, the fucking anvil puts Austin down. I I screamed. (laughs) I I jumped out of my chair and pumped my fist. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get to university the next day to talk about it with everybody. Yes. It was the fucking best moment ever in, in wrestling yeah, where I was by tremendous. myself. Like, it's one thing to pop when you're in an arena or when you're with your buddies. Yeah. But when you're by yourself, <laughs> by yourself and you pop, 
it's it's that's, magic. So oh, uh, fucking great! I love my how just one. that moment, right? And it's all I love how it involves the anvil. That's tremendous. <laughs> yeah, it was like who gives a fuck about the anvil? But it was just a, it was the fact that Bret Hart all got one over on Austin. Yeah, you know it, that that whole U.S. Canada thing was really gripping for yep. Canadians around that time. So. Yeah, great choice. All right. Um, my number one is not so much. I, it's more of the moment of, well, here it is. It's the moment of sitting in the crowd at the Capitol Center as they go live with Dynamite. Um, we were there, big man, you and I, uh, in uh, October of last year. Uh, I flew in to, uh, I flew Winnipeg to Minneapolis to Baltimore, took a train into Washington, D.C. It was hot as fuck. We walked around, drenched in sweat, um, couldn't get to that arena fast enough, got in our seats. Immediately, you started looking for better seats. Um, the place was, was pretty packed. It was awesome. Uh, a big uh, NHL-sized arena, NBA-sized arena. Uh, we get down to our new seats, great vantage point, and just being a part of that was a great moment for me. Uh, people were going fucking crazy just to be, like, realizing that, you know, now this is really real. And it was fucking great. Cody and Sammy, great first match. Um, and the whole night was, was fantastic. Loved it. So that's my number one moment. Beautiful. Good choice. Uh, and there we go. Our list. Oh, I got I to gotta just one last thing. My son picked five of his favorite moments. Can I give them to you? Oh, yes. Uh, his, uh, his, number, uh, his number five is like me, Kenny and Matt Hardy run down Sammy with the golf cart. Um, his number four is the Young Bucks backyard match. Yes. Um, his number three, when Mox won the title and revealed that his eye was fine after all. <laughs> um, his number two is Cody's crazy moonsault off the cage against Wardlow. And his number one, Matt Hardy getting dunked into the pool by the Santana Ortiz <laughs> over and over. My kid loves Matt Hardy, by the way. He thinks he's the greatest thing ever. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's a nice list. You should, a good list. You, so, should show uh, him, yeah. you should show him when he was feuding with Edge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me. All the, remember all those teases they would do? They'd play Matt's music or when, when, when they played Brett's music when Sean was in the ring in his feud with Hoags. Oh, yeah. So much teases. Trolling fuck. the fans. Anyway. Yes. Uh, uh, good, good job, boys. Good lists. Yeah, great sure. lists. Uh, so there you go. Those are our lists. If you agree or disagree... I guess tell us at Mezzanine Sleepover yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, like you, you'll be the first person to tell us anything. So yeah. <laughs> uh, go for it. Uh, Someone so, liked our last episode. They even said they liked it. So that's nice. Uh, there are actually, we might uh, we might have to talk about having a couple of guests. Um, I've got love two it. guys who I'm doing the Degrassi cast with who love wrestling and uh, love the sleepover. Well, good. Let's have them on. So, Let's get a whole uh, crew going. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be back sometime. Probably more wrestling. Maybe these yeah. lists. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a show. We'll talk about it on amongst ourselves and do whatever we want. So don't yeah. re- don't request anything because we're just going to nope. do it. Yeah, what we want. Thank you to Stu. Disco Stu anyone on Twitter for joining us. I mean, really, if we're doing wrestling at this point, it's not even that Stu joining us. Like Stu, you're no. like you're on the mezzanine I, sleepover. Stu, Stu, I think you're, you've been uh, inducted into the mezzanine sleepover uh, 
uh, co-hosting chair. And actually, uh, Stu, you are the only one of us three co-hosts who are in the, the Mezzanine Sleepover Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we should. We haven't been introducing him properly. Uh, this is Mezzanine Sleepover Hall of Famer, Stu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, fucking great! Well, anyway, yeah, I, I think I think that's in order. Stu, you're you're in you're you're in. Uh, you're you're like the you're like when uh, when they when when Jeff Jarrett became part of the horse. <laughs> oh no, that's not good. Sorry. Anyway, I'm uh, at makeamix.com. Yeah, I'm at slip with five eyes and at disco stew eighty one. And uh, right we'll on. we'll see you when we see you. All right, good night. Go.